if you if you haven't been able to make it to some of the services lately, you need to get the CDs. You need to listen to the podcast. You know, download it on your podcast. Get the CD that we make those available to you. But you know, we've been laying some groundwork. Amen. A lot of stuff that we'll say. You know, from time to time, we may preach different, several different on, on several different topics. But there's some uh, there's some things that we're going to say re- repetitively that we'll mention. And some of you go, oh yeah, Pastor, here we go, here we go, here we go again. But you understand this, that, that since February, there's been a, a, a paradigm shift, and you understand a paradigm shift, is that your paradigm is your worldview, how you see things. And in February, God began to, to just give to us and pour out on this body of believers a revelation of the kingdom of heaven, and how many of you understand, and, and no doubt some of you have heard things taught and you've heard thing pre- things preached, that when you've heard it, you went tilt, 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 you know, maybe not you, physically, but your spirit was going tilt. I've never heard that before. Tilt, tilt, tilt. And so when I'm ministering and teaching these things, realize that sometimes you have, you've got to hear, faith comes by hearing and hearing and hearing and hearing and hearing again and again. That word hearing is an infinitive word that means a continual process of hearing. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. And so you understand that what we're doing and what we're teaching on the kingdom of heaven, it is a major paradigm shift probably for most of us in our walk of, of, as believers. Amen? But you understand this, it's not new. It's been in the Word all along. It's not new. It's, a di- it's looking at things in a different perspective. I like the way Pastor Earl said it, is that, you know, when we look at faith, when we look at healing, when we look at prosperity, when we look at holiness, when we look at healing, when we look at all these different things, we're looking at different trees. But you understand, the trees make up the forest. And when we start looking at this, uh, at, the, at the Word of God and what God's done from the perspective of the kingdom of heaven, you're taking your focus off of the, the trees to where you're backing up and you can see the forest. You know, it's like, you know, like if I took my notes and I just looked and I stared just as close as I could at the letter T on this paper and I was just staring at T and everything else just becomes a blur to me on it because I'm looking at T. I'm looking at the letter T. But then when I back up and pull it out, I can see the whole page and it changes the perspective of how I'm looking at the paper. Right? And so we understand when we're talking about the kingdom of heaven, that it's not some new and strange doctrine, but really what the kingdom is, is taking all the things that maybe you have been taught or maybe you haven't been taught in your Christian walk and in your life, and it's pulling it together. So we, we start this out this morning talking about reminding you that Adam, that when Adam fell, Adam did not lose a religion. Adam lost dominion. Remember the Bible teaches over in Genesis that God created the earth and, and really... The original intention was, and understand this, you realize that most denominations, the denomination that I grew up in, this, how, many, how many of y'all have heard this before? Okay, this is the part where you interact with the, the preacher. How many of you have heard this before? When people talk about our life on earth, they say, well, you know, the earth is just our training ground for when we get to heaven. How many of y'all have heard that? I've heard that. Amen. My whole life. How many of y'all know that's wrong? That's wrong. That is not the truth. Amen. You understand when we go back to the original intention, remember this, and I'm, I'm saying this again so that you hear what I'm going to teach this morning in this, in the context of this. God's original intention 
You understand this, if God wanted man in heaven, He'd have created Adam, and instead of placing him in the garden on the, on the earth, He'd have created Adam and Eve, and He'd have placed them in heaven where they weren't going to be tempted by Satan and where there was no chance of the fall, and then they could have just populated heaven just as easily as they could have populated the earth, right? So God's original intention was, and, it, and, and Jesus alluded to it, in, in uh, was it the Lord's Prayer, what we commonly call the Lord's Prayer. He said, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth just as it is in heaven. So God's original intention was to create the earth and for Him, to, for God the King of the universe, for God the King to rule through man on the earth. God, heaven is in the unseen realm, right? That doesn't mean that it's not real. We've talked about this before. There's lots of things that you can't see or observe, but it's real. That doesn't mean that it's not real, okay? So God rules in heaven, the third heaven, the unseen heaven, and His intention was to create the earth in the seen realm and that God would rule on the earth through His man, Adam, through the people He placed on the earth. And so in effect... How many of y'all are familiar with the concept of colonization? Okay, when a country when a country would send out uh, people into another country to colonize it, and you understand this when you are colonizing someplace, if you relocate someplace, you're not you're just moving in and you're going to go there to blend in, maybe right? If you if you're if you're just moving, but if you are a government. And, and you understand this, that when we're talking about ki- the kingdom of heaven, we're talking about the government of heaven, and it's not that foreign of an idea. I, I mentioned this a couple of weeks ago. How many of us believe in the government of the United States of America? Okay? You understand that the government of the United States of America is just is simply this. It's a political ideology. The, go- the, the government of our country is, is, is a belief system. Okay? Now, you can go see a, the Capitol, and you can go see buildings that have been built... As a, as memorial and to facilitate and to administrate that, but our government it's the it's an idea, really that you can go read a piece of paper in Washington and you better go read it quick before they run it through the short shredder. The United States Constitution, okay, and people and those were ideas that men had that were written down on a piece of paper, and those ideas that were written down on the piece of paper govern how it establishes the, the ideology of the government that we all live under, okay? So you understand this, that heaven, the, the, the kingdom of heaven, it, it, the, it is a government, it is an ideology of how people, how men should live, right? And this is the Constitution. The Bible is, our, is the Constitution of the kingdom of heaven. So God's original intention was to, and, and going back to what I said about colonization, if you just move someplace, if relocating is not colonization. <coughs> you understand this, that when you are colonizing something, <coughs> you're going in, and your intention is to take your culture, your language, your way of life into a, a specific area and transform that area with your with your culture, and you understand this: that colonization it included government. If you if if Great Britain, the United States of America, started out as a British colony, right? We all know that in our history, right? And so the intention of the King of England and and, and Great Britain was to send co- uh, you know uh, people to come over here to establish colonies that they would come over and they, their culture they would bring. The same style of government that was from England to America. 
They would come and they spoke the English language when they came. Amen. They had the same culture. They had the same language. They had the same type of government. Even things down to the foods they ate and different things like that. They brought it and they came and their intention was to change the area they were coming to. Right? There were Indians here, right? There were Indian, American Indians all over the place. And those, uh, the, the people that came over to colonize this country, they came and they established a sphere. It was basically, and this is a political term, but a sphere of influence. That's actually a political term that means that you go in, you establish a colony in a foreign country, and that, that colony, that sphere that's there, that it, that it distributes, it disseminates the culture of the of the society or the government that sent it there to establish it. So God's original intention was for the earth to be a colony of heaven. God created the heavens and the earth. Amen. And God sent placed man in the garden and God's original intention and he the Bible says over in Genesis he said he gave Adam and he gave man and you understand he's talking Adam and Eve. Man is Adam and Eve. Okay? Because the spirit of man, you understand this in Christ there's neither male nor female. Okay, your 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 sexual assignment is for the purpose of of reproduction. You know, you're a woman or you're a man, you're a male or you're a female. But the your spirit, the Bible says, you know, it talks about the spirit of man. Well, you know what? Uh, my wife, her spirit is the spirit of man, and my and my spirit's the spirit of man. It's just the container the spirit's put in is different. Amen. And that gives you an assignment on the earth. Amen. Amen. It it does it designates some roles. But God's intention was to create the earth, to place man upon the earth, and rule through man exercising God. Because you understand this, to have authority, you have to be under authority. God is the only person that does not have to be under authority. So God's intention was to place the man on the earth. Adam rules on, Adam, that man rules upon the earth under the, the designated, the delegated authority that God's given him, and the earth becomes a colony of heaven. In other words, that the morals and the morals and the culture and the language and the government of the, of the homeland is projected and, and established upon the place to be colonized. Amen? And so we understand this, and we've said this before, if Adam had not sinned, where would Adam be? Adam would still be upon the earth. Amen. Because God's original intention was for man to rule upon the earth. Praise God. And that, and, and coming to a realization of that, that is a significant paradigm shift in your belief. Because we've all been taught, or I grew up here, when we all get to heaven, what a day of rejoicing that will be. Amen. And praise God it will be, but you understand that heaven is not our permanent assignment. Amen. Because, why? Because God's original intention was earth, and God is not going to allow Satan to thwart his original intention. Amen? And some people, I know that will be hard for some people to believe, but you get, you know what? Bottom line is, just wherever Jesus is at, I'm going to be happy. Amen? Praise God. So, in light of this, looking at the earth, remembering that the earth, God's original intention was to colonize this. When we know that sin came in, that Adam advocated his authority... The devil illegally gained authority by man submitting to his will. Because remember, the Romans says, to whomever you yield yourself servants, you make them your master. And so Satan, Adam, when he decided to listen to, when they decided to obey what the devil said, then that gave the devil access into the earth. Know this though, God's intention was, from that point, God had a plan. You understand that God didn't get caught off guard. How many of y'all, something's come up in your life and it was completely unexpected? 
If it's a good thing, that's ha- it's happy time. Ain't it? Oh, hallelujah, praise God, How what a wonderful blessing. But if it's something bad, most of the time we don't like being caught off guard. How many of you know God did not get caught off guard? The Bible says that Jesus was the Lamb that was slain before the foundation of the earth. So before sin even entered the earth, God knew what was going to happen and God had the contingency plan, really, of what He was going to do. And so the, ever since the fall, ever since the fall, God's been working man back to reestablishing the dominion of man on the earth and He had to do it through Jesus. Amen? But this morning, we want to talk about... Turn, go ahead and turn in your Bibles to Genesis chapter 12 and you understand that God had plans and you understand in the beginning... When God pronounced judgment upon Adam and Eve and upon the serpent, what was one of the thing, what was the thing that God told the serpent? He said that the, there'd be enmity between the woman and the serpent, and said that the, the woman's seed, his heel would crush the head of the serpent, but that he would bruise the heel of the seed of the woman, right? And what that was, God was prophesying that through woman that God, you understand this, Anything God does on the earth, He does through a man. People don't like to hear that. Religious people will get so mad at you. But I'm going to tell you what, that before God before God could have a covenant people, He had to have an Abraham. Before God could deliver a, a, a nation out of Egypt, God had to have a Moses. Before God could redeem all of humanity back to the original condition, God had to have a Savior, and He had to do it on the earth through a man, through a man who come onto the earth, the seed of a woman who came in in the body and the, and the man Jesus Christ. God For God to do anything on the earth, God's going to do it through a man. Amen? And so if we see in the Word here, in chapter 12, the beginnings of this, the beginning of the prophecy that God spoke in the garden about the head of the serpent being crushed, God is beginning to put things into place. And you understand this, God doesn't dwell in time. God lives in eternity. And so you understand that God may speak something, and to Him it's done but for it to manifest in in the 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 in time, what we understand is time, it may it may be hundreds of years, it may be thousands of years. But to God, He doesn't even notice it because He He dwells in eternity. So understand this. So God is getting in place and putting things in place to have a nation established. I'm talking to you this morning about the blessed nation. Amen. And Genesis chapter 12, God speaks to a man called Abram. He says, Now the Lord had said to Abram, Get out of your country from your family and from your father's house to a land that I will show you. I will make you a great church. I will make you a great religion. That's not what it says? What's your Bible say? I will make you a great nation. I will bless you. I will make your name great. And you shall be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and I will curse him who curses you. And in all the families of the earth, you shall be blessed. And so God approaches a man named Abram, and you see, God, He's already spoke what's going to happen. That there's going to be a seed come into the earth that's going to destroy, that's going to crush the head of the serpent, and is going to bring back, that is going to restore back to man the, the authority that God had granted to him, the authority on the earth, is going to make a way for man to be submitted back into the kingdom or the government and authority of God. And God is speaking to this man, Abram, and He's telling him, He said, I'm going to bless you. I'm going to make you a great nation. Amen? And you understand this? Let's look at that word bless. You realize that word bless means to bestow good of any and every kind upon someone. 
Amen? You say, bless you. Or somebody does something to you, you say, that was such a blessing. Amen? You realize that means that means that someone has bestowed something good upon you. And God speaks to Abram and He said, I will bless you. Amen? And you'll understand this, and we're going to see this in a little bit, that when God blessed Abram, God revealed Himself progressively to Abram and to Abram's descendants because we can read on over when God spoke to Abram and told him to take his son and to sacrifice him to God that when he went to do it and he was obedient that the Bible said you remember the story y'all remember this in Sunday school class yeah you know you know Father Abraham he went up on the mountain and he was going to kill his son and he was going to kill Isaac and God had a ram caught in the thickets by the horns and it says and Abram called the name of that place Jehovah Jireh and God and that literally means the Lord God who provides Amen? And we said before, that word provision, pro, pro means ahead and vision means to see. Means that God, before Abram even got there, God knew contingent on Abram's obedience to me, there's going to be a need, and I'm going to be Jehovah Jireh, the one who provides, who sees ahead and sees the need and makes a supply available. Do you know and do you realize that when you are being obedient to God, when you step out in your life in the things that God has told you to do in your life, God will show Himself as Jehovah Jireh, the Lord God, the Provider, who's going to say, I've spoken this word to them, I've commanded them to do this, and as they step out on my word and they do it, I'm going to see the need ahead of time and I'm going to make provision there. And just like there was a need for a sacrifice because God knew He was not going to make Abraham kill his son and God knew there's going to be a need for a sacrifice, He saw it ahead and the ram was caught there in the, in the thickets by its horns. God saw ahead and made a need. God knows the thing that He's spoken to you about, amen, to do in your life, that He knows that a contingent upon your obedience that you obey Him You step out, you go out and do it. Even though in the natural, things might be screaming at you saying, don't do it. Don't do it. Oh, you're crazy. You know, you can't do that. It's the best job you've had in your life. It, you know, you can't, you can't do that. Nobody in your family's ever had a business. Your, your people don't do that kind of thing. Whatever it is, the ministry that God's called you to do. Man, man, you know, I can't do that. And everything's screaming and telling you, you can't do it. It's going to be a mess. You're going to make a mess of things. God says that I've come, if God's commanded you to do it and you step out on faith, God says you don't walk by what you see. Huh? The things that you can observe. You understand this. That even say, stepping out and saying I did something in faith. It's like this morning. If I come into a church and the building's got about one-fourth of the people in it that I'd like to see on a Sunday morning and I begin to start saying, uh, you know, well, it must, it must not be. But, you know, must not be God, must not be God. Well, what am I basing that on? I'm basing that on what I can see with my eyes, right? That ain't faith. That's not faith. It's walking by, it's walking by sight. It's looking at the circumstances and then judging whether or not I heard from God because of it. Amen? You understand? That's not the right thing to do. And when you begin to step out and do things for God and follow God's will for your life, I promise you there's going to be opportunities for discouragement. There's going to be opportunities to sit down and look at the checkbook and go, my God, if God told me to do this, He need to, he need to ante up because the kitty's getting low. Amen? But you understand that if God's called you to do it, that He saw the need ahead of time 
And God said, I'm going to make provision available. And when Abraham, when Abraham headed out from the house that morning with his son, his servant, his donkey knife and fire leaving, the, on the other side of the mountain, a ram started heading up the hillside because God knew when he gets there, there's going to be a need and I'm going to provide it. I'm going to make the supply available. Well, you understand this. God reveals himself to Abram that way. He goes on and he begins, he reveals himself through his covenant names, not only to Abram, but to Abram's descendants. But you realize this. God promised Abram to bless him. Listen to this. It says, I, he said, I will bless you and all the families, of, and, and in you, verse 3 says, and in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Now you understand that he was going to bless Abraham and Abram and make him a blessing. So understand this, blessed means to bestow good of any kind upon someone. If you're going to be a blessing, huh? to be a blessing means to be a source of the bless to someone. Amen? That, that, that sounds real good grammatically, but you understand that you, you have to be blessed before you can be a blessing in anything. Now, we're not just talking money, but you understand it's money. Remember the story about the Good Samaritan? Jesus talked about the Good Samaritan, the guy that was beaten and left uh, for dead by robbers, and the Samaritan went and took him and had it, and you know and poured wine into his wounds and bandaged him up and took him to the inn and placed him in the inn and gave I think it was like uh, some some uh, commentaries say that what he gave the innkeeper was a month's salary, what would have been a, a, a normal laborer's a month's salary to pay for the the cost of his uh, convalescing there in the in the in that inn recovery the time he was going to be there and being ministered to and be fed and being having a roof over his head. How many of y'all know that if I, don't ha- if I don't have no money in my pocket and there's a need, if I don't have any money available to me, I cannot bless someone else with what I have not been blessed in. Now, understand, that's just money. But what about anything else in your life? What about peace? You cannot bless anybody else with peace. You can't come into a situation where a crisis has arose in a family and people are going nuts and people are about to come off the wheels. They're afraid the wheels are about to come off the whole thing and people are in panic mode. You can't go into a situation and speak peace to that situation and minister to people peace if you've not been blessed and walking in the blessing of peace in your life. So you understand that, that blessing... And being blessed and being able to be a blessing, it is in every facet of your life. Not just money. But God told Abram, He said, I will bless you. In other, and in, this is the thing, and in every area of your life, you can read on that. You, you can go read Genesis 13. Praise God. Let's just go ahead and read it. Amen. I'm not teaching this this morning, but I may next week teach on the provision of God. Teach on God's blessing in finances. I haven't done that for about a year and a half. Praise God big teaching on it but chapter 13 says and abram went up from egypt and he and his wife and all that he had and lot with him to the south abram was very rich in livestock and silver and in gold amen you just need to realize this we need to get this through your head that when god talks about blessing some people think that it has nothing to do with money and then you got the other extreme that thinks that's all it has to do with how many of you all know it's somewhere in the beginning every area of abraham's life he was blessed. God, you understand this, and, and we're going to move on. Back there in Genesis 12 again, we'll take a look at that. Verse 2 says, I will make a great nation of you. God promised Abram, I'm going to make a great blessing of you. So here's an old man, an old man that has no children, 
and God's promised him, I'm going to make a great nation of you. Amen? How many of y'all know? <laughs> Amen. So that's, that's, a, that's a big promise. That's a tall order to fill. You got some 75-year-old man, ain't never had no kids, if he couldn't make no babies when he was 25, what makes you think when he's 75 he's going to be able to make some babies? If his wife couldn't conceive no babies when she was 25, what makes you think that when, you know, when she's up in her 60s and 70s that she's going to make some babies? Huh? But God promised him, I am going to make a great nation out of you. Amen? Praise God. And so he's spoken that. You understand, what I want you to get out of this is the blessing, but also the fact that God's looking for a nation. God's looking for a nation of people that He's going to say, you're blessed and I'm making you a blessing. God was looking for a nation of people that He could use. The number one, that the seed that was going to crush the serpent's head would come through. But God says, I'm looking for a nation of people. I'm looking for, and that word nation, it literally means a gathering together. In the Hebrew, it means a gathering or a, a, a massing together of. God said, I'm looking for a nation. A nation that's going to be a, a, that's going to be blessed in every area. Blessed in their finances, blessed in their health, blessed in peace, blessed in, you know, blessed in walking in dominion upon the earth, blessed in walking over every circumstance that raises up, that they know my word, that they are, they are full of my word, they know my word, and that they are blessed, and they walk in victory upon the earth. I'm looking for a nation to bless that becomes a blessing. Amen? To, and this is the thing. We need to realize that when God blesses you, it's not just for you. That when God blesses you, it is not just for you. Amen? I'll say this. And it's not just for the preacher. Some preachers are real good at preaching about how people need to give, 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 but it's always in the direct... And, 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 but you just kind of question their motives a little bit or you're just kind of steering people to give, give, give to you. You understand that that's, that that's not God's that's not God's intention. That's not God's will. Yes, there's a blessing. Yes, there is there's a blessing attached to honoring uh, the man of God. But you understand that God wants us to be a blessing. What's the it says? And then you all the families of the earth will be blessed. You understand that God that as God blesses us, He wants us to be a blessing. And it first starts with those in the household of God. Am I a brother's keeper? Well, I work hard for my money, Pastor. I don't think I should have to give anything to help somebody else get something in church that don't get out and work hard like I do. Where'd that attitude come from? Maybe they're working hard and they just didn't have... You know, there's a word called social capital. I don't know if any of you have ever heard that word before. Social capital. Some people are born... Uh, you know, this is, make it, this is real simple. I love the way academics take stuff that everybody knows. And you understand that they, and they label it something different that you've never heard before to make you feel like you're stupid. Now come to my school for four years and pay me $200,000 and I'll make you feel smart because I'll teach you all the new labels that I made up for stuff you already know. <laughs> but you know, you've heard they'll saying, well, I guess I was just born on the wrong side of the tracks. How many of y'all know that some people, you may have had the blessing of being born into a home where mom and dad were together, mom and dad uh, both worked, you had a two-income home, you had a nice house with a fence and 2.3 kids and a dog in the yard. Yep, yep, yep. Okay. And you grew up, and you had the opportunity to go to, to, to high school, uh, to go through high school, and you had a good home life, you know? And so you went to high school, and you had good grades because mom and dad were involved in your life, and they wanted to see you do well, and they wanted to see you get an education. And then when you got out of school, if you chose to go to college, they wanted to make sure that you were in the right place, you know, whatever they could do to help you, 
Maybe, maybe you want to start your own business. Maybe mom and dad, you know, maybe it was a farm. Maybe mom and dad had some farmland. Pastor Cheyenne's mom tried to, you know, when we first got married, she said, you know, hey, you know, we got a couple of farms and, and we'll build you some chicken houses out there if you want to go in the you know, chicken business. And I was like, she said, or you can go to college. And I thought, go to college or shovel chicken poop? What do I want to do, you know? Praise the Lord. <laughs> said, I think we'll go to college, Miss Harper. Thank you. Praise the Lord. Amen. But you understand that some, and you may have had that, and so that's what they're calling social capital. When you had advantages afforded to you because of the environment and your upbringing. Well, how many of y'all know, there's some people, and you're starting from a lot higher spot, but there's some people in the body of Christ that maybe they didn't have a mama and daddy at home. Maybe they just had mama because daddy was a one-night stand or daddy was a sorry drunk that used to use mama for a punching bag or daddy was a crackhead. Or maybe mama and daddy both were a crackhead and they didn't even have, they were raised up in a foster home or in an orphanage or had to be adopted or something like that. And you don't know where they came from and they didn't have, they didn't have any incentive to do good in school. And, and their life's just been a mess and then they come to know Jesus and guess what? They came into the kingdom and from the world side they didn't have the advantage that you had. But guess what? They're getting a hold of it and they're chasing after it as hard as they can to do everything that they can. And the Bible teaches us that we do have a responsibility as believers that as, as we have an abundance, glory to God. I'm telling you all, I'm sitting on some teaching on finance. I'm, I'm sitting on some teaching on, on kingdom economics because it, 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 we'd all probably just die. I'd teach it and we'd all just be dead. They'd come in they come in. Because it, it, you talk about a paradigm shift. It is a big paradigm shift. But you understand the early church, they made provision for each other. They made provision for each other. Amen? And we got great people that do that. Don't think that when I'm saying this, I'm making any accusation that people in our church are We have got great people. I can't, I can't think of a family in this church. I can't think of a family in this church that has not given to, to other people in the church at some time. And that means you've got the heart of God. You're getting revelation about stuff. And that's awesome. Praise God. And that's going to be one of the things. You understand this? Being in the kingdom has benefits. And that's one of the benefits that's going to want to make people get into the kingdom. Can I say it this plain? Is that where there's a better government, people breaking their neck to get in. Right now there's people digging tunnels underneath the U.S.-Mexico border to try to get in the country. Why? Because they want to get under a better government where they have more opportunity. And as the church, when we begin to get a better grip of the idea we are in the kingdom of heaven and that the government that we are under is God's government, God governing in the church through the hearts of men, and we get a revelation of that, that we really, we, we might be living in the United States, and we might be uh, physically and on the earth, we are citizens of the United States of America, but we've got a bigger and a, and a citizenship that takes priority over that. We are, citizen, we are citizens of something that doesn't know any, that the only borders that it knows is the earth. Amen? Praise God. But anyway, understand this, that to be blessed, you have to be blessing, but people are dig people in Mexico, they want so bad to be under the United States government to have access to the, to the benefits that are there that they're digging tunnels to get here. When we as a church begin to walk in the, the concept of the, 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 the more we walk in the fullness of the kingdom of heaven, people going to be, they're going to be lined up at the door at 8 o'clock in the morning when we get here to come open up on Sunday morning to have 8.30 prayer. They're already going to be standing in line. Well, oh yeah, they're just going to be wanting stuff, Pastor. Yeah, and you wanted something, didn't you? You wanted to get out of hell, didn't you? 
You wanted your sins forgiven, right? Amen. And then you got in and then you just begin to get a revelation that there's more than that. That coming into the kingdom of heaven is a lot more than a get out of hell free card. It is a complete lifestyle change and it is the, the promise that as you're obedient to God, your life upon this earth before you get graduated, amen, is going to be immensely better. That God's going to be, that as you show yourself faithful and you get a revelation of God's able to bless you, pour blessings out upon you to make you a blessing. Anyway, the point is, is that for you to be blessed and to be a blessing, to be a blessing, it has to flow out of you. The dead sea's dead because it has no outlet. Because water flows into it, flows into it, flows into it. And you understand that when rivers flow, that they flow through the ground and they break down minerals and stuff that's in the ground. And that's in the water. And it flows into the Dead Sea. And there's no place for it to have an outlet to flow on out into the ocean. So all the water flows in and it evaporates out. And all the sediment and all the minerals that was in that water is there. And the Dead Sea's dead. Nothing can live in it. There's no life in it. And it has a continual flow going into it. But because it doesn't have an outlet, everything that's flowed into it has, has polluted it and made it to the point to where it cannot sustain life. And if we're not careful as believers, when those blessings start flowing into us, when God starts pouring those blessings, the very things that God means to be a blessing and a, and a source of something good to us, because remember, bless means to bestow good of any and every kind on someone. If we're not careful, if we're not having an outlet where if we're allowing ourselves to be a blessing, the very things that God meant to be a blessing to us can be something that's, that causes stagnation and death in your life, spiritual death in your life. How many people have prayed and believed God for, oh God, if I could just get a sea dew. Oh God, I'd like, Lord, I'd just like to have me a couple of those sea dews and just, whoo, man, me and my wife. Huh? You better get one. <laughs> better get, for me and Cheyenne, we need to get one with some seats on the back of it, right? Amen. Praise God, about you know, a couple more seeds. Lord, if I get me some seeds, whoo, I'd have me a good time. Have some fun with that. And you pray and you believe God, and maybe you even sow some seed, believe in God to get something. And I'm just using this for an example. I mean, if you've got a seed, you know, don't get upset. Just let Pastor borrow it sometime. Amen, I'm kidding. Amen. Glory to God. But you understand? And then the very thing that you prayed and believed God for, or say it's a motorcycle. Man, I know a lot of people. Prayed and believed, like, oh, God, I want a Harley. God, bless me with a Harley. Oh, God, I want a Harley. They went to the Harley shop. They got a catalog. They pulled the picture out. They put it up on the mirror every day. Oh, Lord, God, I thank you. I'm believing you for my Harley. I believe you will bless And guess what? And God doesn't have a problem with you having stuff, right? But this is the thing. Then the very thing God blesses you with, whoo, you like it. And because you're busy, you come to find out, man, Sunday morning's the only time I really got to get out. I can just get out and ride my Harley and enjoy it. And then guess what? You start missing church to go out on your Christian bike rides or whatever. You know, it's whatever. I'm just using that as an example because I can relate to it. <laughs> and, and that very thing that God meant to be a blessing, it becomes something that's an obstacle to you because that blessing's flowed into you. Amen? And, and because there's not an outlet or you've had an illegitimate outlet for it, then it becomes something that you stop going to church. It becomes it becomes an idol to you, really, because it's something that you're putting before God, Amen. And the very thing that God meant to be a blessing to you, it becomes it becomes a curse, Amen. But anyway, understand this: God wants us to be blessed so that you can be a blessing, Amen. I'll, I'll just go ahead and say, Pastor Gregory Pope. It was so funny, you know, Pastor Shine and I when we were on staff over at Covenant Church over in Coffee County. We went riding uh, with him one time. He, you know, he had a, he had a, a Harley, and then he had an older. I think it was a Goldwing. I think I said it was a Harley before, but I believe it was an older Goldwing. 
that he had. And we'd go over and Pastor Cheyenne, you know, we were just married. We were going to college and we were both working uh, uh, full-time jobs while we were going to college and on staff part-time at the church over there in Coffee County. And <laughs> first year we were married, I've shared this where I think Pastor Cheyenne and I think we made uh, $9,000. $9,000 first year we were married and going to college. And that wasn't in the Stone Age. That was back in 2000, 10 years ago. And we'd go over, and Pastor Gregory would let us ride his motorcycle. Now, that's a blessing. And guess what? We, they, you ain't making no motorcycle payments. So you ain't buying no motorcycles when you're making nine dollars or $10,000 a year. Amen? But you understand, he was blessed, and he allowed that... To be, for his, he allowed himself to be a blessing and allowed that to flow out from him to bless and minister to others. Amen? We've got a family in our church right now that doesn't have a vehicle. And there's another family in the church that when the husband's home during the weekend, he allows that other family to use the car. Why? Because he's like, I can't drive both of them at the same time. Y'all need one? Praise God. We're believing God with you for a, a vehicle. Yeah, the church is believing God. Believe me, I'm believing God. I'm ready for this church to be debt-free and stuff to be wiped out so that when there's needs, I can just stand up and say, hey, you know what? we got a need in the body. Let's all just give something to it and let's take care of this need. I'm look, waiting until the church is so big that if everybody chips in 10, we can go buy a car for someone. Amen? You understand? That's God's desire and that's God's intention for the church is for the church to be blessed and we become a blessing to others. Amen? But understand this. God has always been interested in a nation. Amen? You're going to hear me say it this morning. Amen? Go ahead and turn to Exodus chapter 19. Now, we've seen where God has declared this to Abram. Who's, who's, he changed his name to Abraham. And God began, when God made covenant with Abram, Abraham and changed his name to Abraham, God began to speak to him things, and, he, and, he, and God revealed to Abram, Your seed shall be strangers in a nation... For, over, for 400 years, and then I'm going to deliver them and I'm going to smite the nation that enslaved them. And so, God, you understand this, God had spoken it and prophesied it to Abraham, I'm going to make a nation of you. Amen? And so, Exodus chapter 19, the, the time has came and went, Israel, the children of Israel, the descendants of Abraham, whom God promised to make a great nation have been enslaved in Egypt. And we're just going to start reading at verse 3. They've been enslaved in Egypt. God raised up a man to use on the earth to do His will. Some of these things are patterns that I, I place emphasis on them, not because I'm just being redundant, but just because they are so significant and really they're, they veer from traditional Christianity so much that I want to make sure you understand this. God used the man, Moses, to deliver the people, the descendants of, of Abraham. They cross the Red Sea. They go to Mount Sinai. And verse 3 it says, And Moses went up to God, and the Lord called to him from the mountain, saying, Thus you shall say to the house of Jacob, and tell the children of Israel, You have seen what I did to the Egyptians, and how I bore you on eagles' wings and brought you to myself. Now therefore, if you be... Uh, if you will indeed obey my voice and keep my covenant, then you shall be a special treasure to me above all people, for all the earth is mine. Verse 6, And I sh and you shall be to me a kingdom of priests, a holy nation. 
These are the words which he shall speak to the children of Israel. God sends the man, Moses, to speak to the descendants of Abraham, whom God prophesied to over 400 years earlier. And God said, I'm going to make a great nation of you. And so God, they were sent there. They went to Egypt. They grew. They multiplied. When Moses brought them out, I mean, some estimates say there was as high as 3 million people came out. Some, some of the low end will say 1.5 million on the, on the high end. Some, people, some theologians, some scholars estimate up to 3 million people. Hey, a whole lot of multiplying going on. You went from 1 to 3 million in 400 years. Glory to God. God's into exponential growth. Amen? But you understand that the very first thing that God said, once He delivered them, once they came out of Egypt, they crossed the Red Sea, they got to Mount Sinai where God was going to deliver the law to Moses. And the first thing God says before Moses even went and received the law, God spoke from the mountain to Moses and He told me, you tell them that if they'll receive my covenant and they'll live by it, that I'm going to make them a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. God's always been interested in a nation. That was His objective because there was going to be a nation created that was going to that He was going to bring the seed that crushed the serpent's head. Amen. Turn to Deuteronomy chapter twenty-eight. So God is fulfilling His promise to Abraham to make His seed a great nation, and we're talking about the the blessing because remember God said that I will bless you. Now understand the the blessing flows from the head down. The blessing was on Abraham. Abraham was blessed to be in covenant with God. Abraham was blessed with peace between him and God. Abraham was blessed, amen. You know, one of the covenant names of God is Jehovah Tesidkenu, the Lord God, our righteousness. The Bible says that Abraham believed God and it was accounted to him as righteousness. Every area of the of the covenant that God revealed Himself to, Abraham was blessed in it, and Abraham was rich, Abraham was healthy, Abraham had all his needs met, Abraham had peace, amen. Abraham walked in the blessing, and so the blessing that was on him, his descendants, if they received the covenant, that that blessing flowed down. And so God began to speak to the children of Israel and to tell them in some detail, this is the blessing that I'm giving you. This is the blessing that I, Yahweh, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, this is the blessing that I promised your daddy Abraham that I said would be on him, that would not only be on him, but it would be on his descendants. This is the blessing. This, here it is in some detail. And I'm going to read extensively here. Deuteronomy chapter 28. It says, Now it shall come to pass if you diligently obey the voice of the Lord your God to observe carefully all His commandments which I command you today, that the Lord your God will set you high above all the nations of the earth. I'm going to pause right here. The Lord, I really want us to get a hold of this. A lot of people, when you start talking about obedience to the Word, doing the Word, getting the blessing, doing the Word, getting the blessing, and there's a particular denomination of people, man, they don't want to hear that at all. Oh, I'm, just, I'm automatically blessed all because of Jesus. No, you're not. I'm going to tell you this. This is the thing. You understand this, that the blessing had nothing to do with the relationship. The, the, bless, excuse me, the blessing came because of the relationship, but the relationship could be there without the blessing. Because you understand this, that these people, they were the, the seed of Abraham. They were Abraham's seed. And, they were, and because they were his seed and because they were Abraham's descendants, they qualified to walk in the blessings. 
They were qualified because God had spoken that covenant to Abraham and He had said, this is the blessing, this is the bestowing of good that I'm putting upon you. And But the relationship was there because they were Abraham's descendants. This is what I want to say. We're not talking about salvation by works. You understand the only way a person is born again, the only way a person becomes a new creature in Christ Jesus, the only way a person comes out of the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light, the kingdom of God's dear Son, is by faith through grace, by faith in the finished work of Jesus, you become born again, you become a new creature, and you have a relationship established with God because of your profession of faith, what you believe in your heart and you confess with your mouth. Because you have made a covenant with your mouth that Jesus, the Word is the supreme authority and you believe that God's raised Him from the dead, you shall be saved and you are born again and your relationship is settled and it's established with God. You are a child of God. You, are, uh, you have been brought in and you are the seed. You are been made part of the seed of Abraham. But you understand to walk in the blessings, it still requires obedience. Because the children of Israel, let's think about it. They were, the Israel in the Old Testament was a type and shadow of the church now in the New Testament. Okay? You can read about that they were overrun by alien armies. I'm not talking about ET, I'm talking about foreigners. Foreign armies came in and laid siege to their cities. Foreign armies came in and destroyed their cities. Foreign armies came in and stole their crops. Remember the story about Gideon. I love reading the story about Gideon and how he went out with his 300 and he conquered the enemy. But you understand when the angel appeared to Gideon, he was threshing wheat down in a hole. Because he didn't want the enemy to see that he's in there meeking out a little bit of food and going to come in and steal the food because the enemies had been coming in and stealing the crops from Israel and starving the people. But wait a minute. These people are saved. Let's, let's just put it in contemporary slogan. Let's put it in the contemporary vernacular, right? They were saved. They were the seed of Abraham. They were the children. Abraham was their great, 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 great grandpapa. And he was the one that God said, you are blessed. I'm speaking my blessing over you. Every area of your life will be blessed. And the blessing's going to flow from you to your children. And the whole world's going to be blessed because of it. These are the people that God said, you're blessed and you're in because of your covenant and you're in relationship with me. But they're being defeated by the enemy. They're not walking in the blessing. They're not walking in provision. They're walking in perpetual act. The enemy's coming in and destroying their cities. But you understand, they're still Abraham's seed. When we're talking about the blessings of God and being obedient to His Word to walk in the blessings, I'm not talking about whether you go to heaven or hell, darling. Let's just settle that. Too many people get all uptight and get all worked up. About, oh, you're saying I'm not saved. You're saying I'm going to go to hell. No, 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 darling. Just, you know, get, settle down. Calm down. I'm not questioning your salvation. I'm not saying that when you die you're going to go to hell. I'm just saying the blessings that God, the, the relationship, the only condition to getting in covenant and being in a relationship with Him was, was becoming, uh, you know, in, for them all they had to do is be born into it. For us all we've got to do is, is be born into it, right? For the relationship to be established. But if you're going to walk in the blessing, let's just make it even simpler. I was thinking about this uh, this morning as I was just meditating on stuff. Clay is my son. Nothing he ever is going to do is going to change the fact that he's my son. But you know what? There's certain blessings that mommy and daddy will say, I'll give you Clay. Like, Clay, we've got Eskimo pies. Or no, not Eskimo. We've got Klondike bars at the house. 
Oh, Daddy, I want a Klondike bar. Can I go home and have a Klondike ice cream bar? Daddy, I really want some ice cream. How many of you all know blessing means to bestow something good upon somebody? Ask Clay. He'll tell you Klondike bars is a good thing. If Daddy gives me one, I'm blessed. It's a blessing to have a Klondike bar. But you understand that if he's been rowdy and disobedient to me and his mother and we've told him to do stuff and he won't mind and he won't obey and then he comes and he says, I want a Klondike bar. Daddy's going to go, what would you do for a Klondike bar? Some of y'all get that commercial. Remember that commercial. What would you do for a Klondike bar? And I'll, and I'll even tell him. I'll tell him you know, when, if we're out. You know, we were at the park the other day. And I told him, I said, all right, Clay. I said, we've got Klondike, Klondike bars at the house. I said, but if you'll be obedient, if you will obey mommy and daddy and do what we tell you and you'll behave right, when you get home, I'll give you a Klondike bar. But if you don't, I will not give you a Klondike bar. Well, guess what? If he behaves or if he doesn't, he's still my child, right? But guess what? If I ha- if, and if I'm a good parent and I tell him I won't give him something, if he does something and he doesn't, then I ain't going to give it to him no matter how hard he cries, even if it breaks my heart. Mamas, this would be good news for some mamas. If you tell your children something, you tell your children something, you tell them this is the conditions of you getting the blessing, man, you better not move off of it. And it doesn't matter how hard they cry and beg and plead. If you have to go in the other room and go in your bedroom and close your door and cry too because it's breaking your heart to not get to do it for them, you better do it that way because the way you're training them, you're training them up for their relationship with God. Because as children see their parents, that's how they're going to see and relate to their Heavenly Father. But you understand this. And so I might tell him, no, Clay, you were disobedient. You did not obey me. And I can't give you the blessing because you didn't meet the conditions. You're still my son. You're still my child. And I still love you. But you, did, you have disqualified yourself from the blessing because you were not obedient. Now let's read, the, read this in, that, in light of that. Now it shall come to pass if you diligently obey the voice of the Lord your God and observe carefully all His commandments which I command you today. The Lord your God will set you high above the nations of the earth. You, and all these blessings shall come upon you and overtake you because you obey, because you obey the voice of the Lord your God. Blessed shall you be in the city. Blessed shall you be in the country. Blessed shall, you, uh, blessed shall be the fruit of your body, the produce of your ground, and the increase of your herds, the increase of your cattle, and the offspring of your flocks. Blessed shall you be in your basket and in your kneading bowl. Blessed shall you be when you come in, and blessed shall you be when you go out. The Lord your God will cause your enemies who rise up against you to be defeated before your face. They shall come out against you one way, but they shall flee before you seven ways. The Lord will command the blessing on you in your storehouses and in all that you set your hand, and He will bless you in the land which the Lord your God is giving you. And the Lord will establish you as a holy people to Himself just as He has swore to you if you keep the commandments of the Lord your God and walk in His ways. Amen? Now, we want to see this because I'm wanting to move quickly and close this up. God told Abraham, I'm going to make a holy nation from you. I'm going to make nations from you. Then when the children, when his descendants were delivered, God told Moses, he told the man, so you tell them if they'll receive my covenant, I'll make them a kingdom of priests and I'll make them a holy nation. Understand this, I'm going to give you some stuff here real quick. Amen? The church is Abraham's seed. I mentioned earlier this week, God, help us to get a hold of this. When we were praying for our nation, do you know who I was praying for on Thursday when I prayed for my nation? I prayed for the church. The church is my nation. And then I prayed for the leaders of the country that I live in. Because we need to get a hold of this. Uh, 
Romans chapter 11, verse 17, we're talking about the church as Abraham sees. The blessing that God spoke over Abraham and, and the blessings that He promised Abraham. The Bible says that in Romans chapter 11, you can just write this down, Romans chapter 11 says that we were grafted into we were grafted into Israel spiritually. We were grafted in. That there were limbs that were cut off and removed and we were like a wild olive branch grafted into it. So we were grafted in. And so if you're grafted into it, that verse even goes on to say that if a limb is grafted into a tree, it gets to draw its nourishment from the roots that the tree has. So we as Gentiles who did not have access to the blessings of Abraham, what Christ did, what Jesus did, was brought us into covenant with God and that we were able to... So the blessings, the source of the blessing flowed from the root of, of the olive tree that we were able to be grafted in and to draw from that nourishment and to draw, and to draw from the blessing because we've been grafted in. Amen? Ephesians chapter 2 verse 14 talks about that whole, fir- the, that whole uh, first half of Ephesians chapter 2 talks about how there, the, at one point in the world that there was this huge delineation that there was the Hebrews, there were the Jews, and then there was the Goyim. And that just meant, and that literally it just means nations. That's that word that's translated nation. But it, the implication was they were all foreign nations. There was the people of covenant, and then there's everybody else. Okay. And so what the word saying here in Ephesians chapter two is talking about how that if you weren't of Abraham's physical descendants, you were just outside of it. That those blessings were to his physical descendants, the actual physical descendants of Abraham, and everybody else was left out but Jesus that there was a separation wall, and that Jesus came and He tore down that wall of separation. And so the same blessing that God spoke over Abraham and over Abraham's seed, that because Jesus tore down the wall and made it available to us, made access available to us to become part of that, become part of what? The nation, the nation that God was creating out of the seed of Abraham the nation that the, that the seed that was going to crush the serpent's head came through, that Jesus, when He came and what He did on the cross, His ministry and what He did on the cross, Jesus was the seed that stomped on the head of the serpent and crushed the serpent's head. And what did that mean? Crushing the head. The head represented the authority, the authority and the dominion that Adam turned over to Satan in the garden. Jesus, when He came, He crushed the head. He crushed Satan's authority and He took back the authority that God originally gave to man, he was the seed that was brought through the lineage of Abraham. Amen? That wall was removed. Understand this? Galatians 3, 26-29 makes it just as plain as can be that if you are Christ's, you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. Amen? So the blessing that God spoke on Abraham, if you are Christ, Christ you understand the Bible says, and I don't have time to get to this one, but it says that, that through Abraham's seed... It doesn't say seeds, plural. It says seed, singular, speaking as to one. The one that it was talking about, the seed that it was talking about, was the man, the Son of God, the Lord Jesus Christ, who came and crushed the, the, the head and broke the authority of the enemy and restored that authority back to man. Amen? Jesus did that. And you understand this. This was the purpose. Remember what I've said. Turn to First Peter chapter 2. We're going to end here quickly. 1 Peter chapter 2, remember what I said, it's always been about a nation. It's always been about a nation. God was seeking a nation. Understand this. 
I want to. I mentioned this briefly last week. I'm going to say it again, though. Help me, Lord. First Peter chapter two, verses nineteen. I want to read that first. But you, Peter says, "But you are a generation. You are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood." a holy nation, His own special people, that you may proclaim the praises of Him who has called you out of darkness into His marvelous light, who once were not a people, but now are a people of God, who, have, who had not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. This is what I want you to get. Understand, a chosen generation, a, a, a royal priesthood, a holy nation. Does that sound familiar? God told uh, Moses, He said, you tell the people, I'll make them a kingdom of priests, I'll make them a holy nation. Amen. He told them uh, that he said that, he, that you would be my special people. They're back in, back in Exodus chapter 19. So what Peter's doing, he's reiterating what Moses told the children of Israel back in Exodus chapter 19. He said, "You'll be a treasure unto me. If you'll receive my covenant, you'll be a treasure." Can we say treasure something special? He said, "You are special people." Amen. First Peter here, he said, you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people. So the very thing that, that, that this is a paraphrase, but saying the same thing, really, what Moses spoke to the children of Israel in Exodus 19, Peter is saying that about us. Now, this is where I want to, we're going to close with, with this. Nation. Say God's always been interested in a nation. Oh, that's weak. God has always been interested in a nation. Amen. We'll wait for the slower people. Amen. <laughs> Amen. Understand this. This is a bit of, of history you probably wish you had never got to know. The modern concept of the word nation, as we understand it, is a modern term that came to understanding in 1648. How many of y'all are familiar with the wars of religion that took place in, in, in Europe? You've probably heard of the wars of religion. And so in 1648, there was a treaty, that, a couple of uh, treaties that were signed that became known as the Treaty of Westphalia. And some of the things that the Treaty of Westphalia established was national sovereignty, uh, national borders. There, were nat- there was national sovereignty and national borders. And so that when someone, and so if someone was a nation state, if it was a nation state, then you were your the, your nationality was determined by the borders that you were within. Amen. Are y'all with me still? We didn't get distracted too bad, did we? Your nationality is na- from that point on. Your nationality was defined as what borders you were born or you lived in, and what government you were under. So you understand this, that in America, we're called Americans, which it really grinds the gears of some people. If you go to Central America or Canada or South America and you say, I'm an American, they go, well, I am too. Well, no, you're not a citizen of the United States of America. People get all being out of shape because Canadians are like, I live in America too. I live in North America too. People in Central and South America are like, well, I live in America too. But you understand that when we say I am an American, it means I am a citizen of the United States of America. And because I am, it's because I have been born or I live within the geographic borders of a nation. And you understand this, in America, praise God, we've got Hispanics, we've got whites, we've got blacks, we've got Asians, we've got all different kinds of races of people. But guess what? And that's one of the things that we like to brag about in America is that we're all Americans. Amen. Now, if you read some of the stuff that Teddy Roosevelt wrote, he, compared, he, he said, is America really the great melting pot or is it the salad bowl? 
has some reading I had to do in a humanities class I had in college. Talked about do people really do people really melt in and become one big part of the American culture, or is it like a salad bowl that you can look at it and know that that's a salad, but you can still identify peppers and onions and tomatoes and lettuce in the salad bowl? Amen. What's your point, Pastor? My point is this: is the word in it, Peter uses it says you are a holy nation. It is the Greek word ethnos, and it is where we get the English word ethnic. Amen? Where we get ethnicity. So, in the biblical sense, when the word nation is used in Bible... Now, understand this. Nation, still, it, it could still include a government, because we're still talking about a government, right? But if someone was an Ammonite in the Bible... They were called the Ammonite, and there was an Ammonite kingdom, and there was an Ammonite king, and the people were called Ammonites because they were all descendants of a man called Ammon. In the biblical sense, and even Old Testament and New Testament, when it says nation, when it says the word nation, in the Greek it means ethnos, ethnic group, and this is what I want you to get. Ethnicity is defined as... Identity with a member, identity with or membership in a particular racial, national, or cultural group, and observance of that group's customs, beliefs, and language. I'm going to give it to you again. Identity with or membership in a particular racial, national, or cultural group, and observance of that group's customs, beliefs, and language. Many minority groups in the United States maintain a strong ethnic identity, especially in cities where immigrants often are often attracted to ethnic communities established by people from their own country, communities in which many traditional cultural features are maintained. An ethnic group or ethnicity is a population of human beings whose members identify with each other on the basis of a real or a presumed common genealogy or ancestry. What's the point? The point is, is that the church, God has proclaimed the church is a blessed nation. That we are a nation. We are a holy nation unto the Lord. We are a holy ethnicity unto the Lord. It doesn't matter if your skin's white. It doesn't matter if your skin's black. It doesn't matter if your skin's brown. It doesn't matter if your skin's got a yellow tint to it. It doesn't matter if you're a red skin. When you become born again, 2 Corinthians chapter 5 talks about if any man's in Christ, he is a new creation, he's a new creature. You come into the blessed nation. The nation, the very the blessing that God spoke over Abram and said, you are blessed, which means I am bestowing any and every good thing upon you. It came down from Abraham. It went to his descendants. And out of Abraham's out of Abraham's nation, out of the nation that God made of Abraham, the Messiah came. Jesus came. He established his own nation because remember, God told Abraham He said He'd make nations out of him, out of his seed. Amen. And the nation that came out there's the Jewish nation. But you understand, we're right back to the situation now where there's only two ethnicities in the world. There's only two nations. There's only two ethnic groups in the world. There's the church and there's the world. There's the believer. There's the unbelievers. 
And God has said that if you are in the church, if you are born again, if you've came into covenant with me, you've made my son Lord, you are a royal priesthood, you are a holy, which means set apart for a specific use, ethnicity, that you should, and this is the thing, glory to God, right back to the beginning, the original intention, God's original intention to colonize the earth, that that the that the earth would be submitted to the government of heaven, that we'd all have the same language. Glory to God. A lot of the church need to catch up on that, right? Amen. If you ain't speaking the language of your homeland, glory to God. You need to get filled with the Holy Ghost and pray in tongues and get the language get the language of your homeland. Amen. But understand this: colonizing earth, establishing the kingdom of God. Amen. God did that. God's made you a holy ethnicity for the purpose of colonizing the earth and so that heaven's influence is exerted upon the earth. You're blessed, but you're a blessing also. You're blessed because of who God is. You're blessed because of your obedience to God. And because you're blessed, God's able to use you to exert His influence so that His will is done on earth just like it is in heaven. Amen? Praise God. It's a tremendous responsibility that's been given to us this morning. Amen? And a tremendous blessing.